and Lex. Two imperfect six-figure business coaches, co-founders, and friends who decided to combine our superpowers to bring to market something we wish we had when we entered the world of coaching. A real, non-BS, intimate, and fun community built with integrity, intention, and a few glasses of wine. In this podcast, we get real. Real about life. Business. Relationships and what it really takes to find your version of success in the world of coaching. Are you ready, Lex? I'm set, Em. Let's coach. Hi, Emily. Jinx, you owe me a soda. Guys, before this episode, Emily said she knows how to turn someone into a morning person and I am an anti-morning person. So I'm like, you know what? Don't tell me now. Save it for the pod. Here you go, Em. How can you turn someone into a morning person? Oh, man. Okay. This is a lot of pressure right now just to teach it all. First and foremost, it's a gradual it's a gradual thing. It's not something that's going to happen tomorrow and you're going to be a morning person. It requires a little small adjusting on your end. So first and foremost, checking the time that you go to bed at night. A lot of times when I talk to people, they're like, yeah, I, I love working till two in the morning. And I'm like, I go to bed at 9 a.m. 9 a.m.? 9 p.m. Okay. Well, so we don't have checking that system there. There's no adjustments. I would say maybe go to bed later. Like, <laughs> just kidding. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay. Okay. Pinning that. Keep, okay. keep coming at me. Second, I do believe that there's something about too much sleep. And again, I am not an expert here. So sleep experts chime in. Um, but I have felt like when I go to bed and I have like 13 hours of sleep, sometimes I'm more exhausted than when I have like nine hours of sleep or eight hours of sleep. So what time do you get to get up currently, Lex? I mean, it, it's hard. Pre-child, I didn't sleep well. I still don't sleep well. I don't sleep through the night. So it's hard to put an average number. But right now, Ashlyn, lately, she's been waking up at like five. So anywhere between five and six. So, so you're then- a morning person. No, I'm not. I'm miserable, exhausted, and I hate every second of it. <laughs> okay. I feel like first and foremost, this isn't going to work for Lexi. So this is for the person out there <laughs> that is not Lexi Smith, but this is for the person that wants to be a morning person. And they're currently waking up at like eight or they're waking up at seven 30 and they're like, oh shit, I want to maximize my day a little bit more. So one thing to consider is again, the time that you're going to bed. Second thing to consider is you waking yourself up. And I think right now too, the, the reason why you're upset Lex is like Ashlyn's waking you up versus you're choosing to wake up. And like, this is an exciting thing for you. So what I like to, to say to people is to, to adjust by 15 minutes, the time that you wake up. So if you're currently waking up at seven 30, can it be seven 15 for a week? Then is it seven for a week? And then gradually getting to the number that you want to be waking up. The other thing too, is to not rush to something. So, and this was a learning that I had to figure out where I like got really excited about my mornings rather than like hopping out of bed, getting in the car or running to a workout class, giving yourself like this sacred space in the morning. And so what I really love about my mornings, I love that it's dark. I get in the guest room bed. I put a heated blanket on. Uh, I have like warm water next to me and I journal. And like, I dump out my brain in that point, And I look forward to that conversation with myself. So it's a, become a ritual where I'm like, Emily, let's talk, let's hang out. And so 
initially when I started with that practice, I would set a timer for myself to challenge myself to write 10 minutes. I then got into the place where sometimes I'd write less than 10 minutes, sometimes more, but like the 10 minute timer really helped. Then the second thing that I did is I get a book and like, this is usually my time either to read for fun or I usually alternate between business and fun, but I look forward to it because I give myself like about 20 minutes just to read uninterrupted with no one up. And then I move into like workout and movement and it really helps me with my endorphins and my energy. And then at that time I am ready to be like an acceptable human being. Okay. So here's what I'm hearing. This is great for those listening who keyword want to be a morning person. And that keyword want, I think is really tied into mindset. My sacred time is in the evenings. So I have no desire to be a morning person. Thus, I will not be. So the pitfall of why I am not going to be a morning person is my mindset. And I'm saying all this because today we're talking about, here's the transition, guys. Oh, God. The places that coaches drop the ball or the pitfalls, the moments, the things they do that aren't working in their advantage. Mindset, of course, but we're going to go into specifics today. Yeah. And I, I, I think that was a, a pretty decent transition. Lex, I, I liked it. I liked minus, the bridge. Minus? <laughs> no, it was great. But I do think back to the mindset of morning. Yes. I think for anything, be it being a morning person, being it, you want to lose weight, be it, you want to be a coach, you have to make a choice. And that choice ultimately is up to you because I, oh. I was going to say, technically you're a morning person. You're up at the, the crack of dawn, but it is not your choice. I think also that's interesting because we all have different definitions of what a morning person means. To me, a morning person is someone who enjoys the morning. (laughs) My my dad is a morning person. My sister is a morning person. You're a morning person. I am up because life, right? But I, I don't enjoy it. It's never been a time of day where I feel connected to, I, I prefer that in the evenings, which is totally mm-hmm. fine in space. And I didn't tell you this last squirrel, and then we're going to rein ourselves in. Um, I haven't read really since my daughter was born. I used to be a reader every night. That was part of my ritual. And the past week I have reworked it back into my ritual, but at night and I've the tweak I had to do was I now, cause I can't beat my daughter's still in our room for some health reasons, but so I can't read in bed. I'm now reading on the couch at night. So I'm mm. trying to formulate that new habit, but back to our topic at hand, common places, coaches drop the ball. So we were inspired to talk about this for a variety of reasons, but in our grad program this past week, we kind of went over this topic and you can frame it in a way, such a way of dropping the ball, or you can turn it into a positive and see these dropping the balls as opportunities. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to point these out because they're opportunities, places for you to improve. The first one we want to talk about is follow-ups. Emily, take it away. God, I'm all, you're always following up with me. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I think follow-ups it's, it's fascinating. Cause again, like what Lex to reiterate, what Lex just said, this was a conversation that we had, and this was inspired by real life things where, and this happens to all of us. And so this is a friendly reminder. If this is happening to you while we're talking, be like, Oh shit, this is me. But thinking 
when you talk to someone, you're like, Hey, I'm a coach. And yeah, I offer, um, this 90 minute deep dive. And this is what, this is how, what happens in it. And that person says to you, Oh my God, I need that. And then nothing happens from there. You're like, yeah, yeah, cool. Like reach out to me when you're ready. No one is ever going to be ready or necessarily prioritize this in the moment thought because they've got a thousand other things to do. Sure. There are people who, you know, they, they go to Google and they search out what they're looking for and they find the solution to it. But when you're in that moment, we're letting this money kind of slip through your fingers or instead of saying, great, when I get home, I'm going to send you an email so we can get a time on the calendar right then and there. So I think following up is such an important thing. And we, with friendships or with casual conversations like that, we let them slide by when in reality, there's such an opportunity to close the deal in a 24 hour span. So Lex, do you have any other things to add to that? Yeah, I would say eight out of 10, don't quote me on that, but a high percentage of our clients were closed in the follow-up series. Totally. Yeah, I also want to share that for my PR agency, 100%, 100% of our pitches in the last three months have been landed after a follow-up. That insane. Yeah. And if we hadn't followed up, we wouldn't have landed. So guys, like, follow up. We are busy human beings. If you think you're busy, guess what? The person at the end or other end of that inbox or that DM or that phone call also really busy. They may or may not intentionally be not responding. So slide in to their inbox um, or yeah, inbox or DMs, wherever you are. <laughs> wherever you're subscribing to all the things that you have. So Lex, uh, follow-ups are are probably number one area of opportunity where people can add more revenue or add more money and close that loop and create a system that they can implement to not drop the ball. We're going to keep going back to sporting things, y'all. Not drop the ball and, and fill that void of like hoping that 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 potential client reaches out to them. What are some other areas people drop balls? This is a big one. The word is assuming. Context. Okay. Assuming anything. Here's a bunch of examples. Assuming someone can or can't afford your services. Assuming that someone is or isn't happy with the services that you're delivering. Mm -hmm. Assuming, insert anything, unless someone tells you or you have concrete data or evidence, stop assuming. Stop it. Stop it. PSA. Stop it. <laughs> well, what do they say? Uh, when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. The I had a coach a while ago reframe it to me in this way. And I, I want to share this because I thought it was very powerful. She said, how would you feel if when this was a coach I hired a few years back, if on our sales call, Lexi, I had just came to you on the phone and said, you know, you probably can't afford this. Meaning I assumed and I said outright that I probably couldn't afford it. How would you feel, Lex? My answer, I'd feel offended. How dare you assume that I'm someone who can't afford this? And that's essentially what you're doing, whether you're saying it literally or not. Anytime you put an assumption on someone else, when they haven't given you anything concrete to assume off of. Oh, amen to that one. And I have definitely made the mistake of, of having an assumption and that that's the person that pays in full. That's the person that 
maybe came into, had been saving up money for this particular moment or took out a PPP loan or um, sold something to, to make it work. And, and I think a lot, one of my favorite books is uh, You're a Badass at Making Money. Did you ever read that book, Lex? I did not, but I'm you aware of it. Jen, You're aware. Jen, Sincero. Yeah. And she talks about a time when she was making like $28,000. And I think her first investment of a coach was, for whatever reason, she was really gravitating to this like $35,000 coach. And she figured out, figured out a way. I think it might've, might've been a payment plan. It might've been asking it for a, a loan from her father or whatever it was. She figured it out because she wanted it so badly that she made this investment work for her. So as a coach who is making an assumption, here's another reframe or a way to fix that assumption. How can you how can you make it work? So maybe they can't pay you in full. Is there a way for you to do a payment plan or installment payment? So it still works for them with the, the frames that they have. Lex, how can people find out how to work with us? Super simple. Go to readysetcoachprogram.com. Link in show notes. But first, stop assuming anything. But stop until, assuming actually, anything. Yeah, until you're at that point, until it has been brought to the table. Don't assume on pricing. Don't assume someone isn't happy with your services. And I did this a lot too. I was a helicopter coach when I first started. And if <laughs> I wasn't hearing from someone, I would assume they were unhappy when that just was not the case. So dropping a ball number two is assuming. What's our third ball? Oh, this is one where people are trying to copy and paste someone else's approach. So guys, it is noisy out there. We get it. It is hard for us to put blinders on it. We can get caught up in it as well, but you see something working for someone and you're like, Whoa, they're getting more engagement or they're getting more clients, or this is their reality, their, their perceived reality or our perceived reality of their life is sunshine and flowers. And so you can go into like a scarcity mode and just want to be like, I'm just going to do exactly what they're doing because it's clearly working when it doesn't feel right to you. And because it works for, for person number A or person number B or letter B, it doesn't mean that it is uniform for every single person. So lean into your own intuition and your authenticity and be who you are who you are. No, but seriously. So here's a few concrete examples. If you've seen people who are doing paid advertising that leads Mm -hmm. to a webinar funnel to their coaching program, and you think you need to do that because that's what everyone else is doing, but it doesn't feel good to you, then it's probably not going to work. If you're seeing everyone dancing on reels, pointing to things, and you're like, oh, geez, (laughs) I guess I need to dance on reels and point to things, but it doesn't feel good to you, then it's not going to work. For me, I don't feel comfortable sharing everything in the kitchen sink on social media and laying my heart on a platter. So if I did, it wouldn't work because that's not me. Be true to you. Hashtag. (laughs) Then another hashtag just for effect, just two (laughs) hashtag, double hashtag. Yeah. Or I, I think the other one too, I don't, I think this was like three years ago, everyone was on Kajabi. Like, Oh, you're, you're a coach. You're not on Kajabi. Are you broken? Like what's wrong with you? You have to be on Kajabi or you have to be on ConvertKit or you have to be on Flowdesk or you have to be on Clubhouse. 
F word clubhouse. You remember club clubhouse? It was a blink. I do. It was there. The I think people still club in the house, but it, but it's not hashtag trending. Hashtag who knows? Is it not? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, it like took the entrepreneurial space by storm. The point being, <laughs> sorry, it was your point. Continue. <laughs> I wasn't making a point. <laughs> you make your point about my point. The point being though, is there's going to be a lot of trends. There's going to be a lot of, oh, I feel like, I don't know if I think you feel this way. Cause we're basically the same person at this point, Lex, but this feeling where it's like, well, Instagram's changing the algorithm. We must do more videos. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I have to do more videos. I hate videos. Why am I doing more videos? Because this arbitrary platform that is amazing. And thank you, Instagram for providing a free marketing strategy, but like do we have to follow all the rules and change who we are for it? It's just not going to work in this space specifically for coaching where you are the product people in the market is going to see through mm-hmm. the bullshit. And when you're not being you and it comes across energetically when you're faking it, it really does. So if you are sitting there wondering why things haven't clicked for you yet, because you're trying all the tried and true strategies that work for X, Y, and Z people, take a beat and get honest with yourself. And if it's a platform, a strategy that resonates with you, if you don't like video, but you like to talk, maybe try a podcast. If you hate talking and you hate video, maybe try writing, right? There's, (laughs) there's different options that you can, there's a lot of options out there. So it's basically our soapbox here is find the one that works for you. Exactly. And it doesn't, it could work. Yes. It doesn't have to work for your best friend who is in the the same industry as you. You guys can hang out in different places. Amen. Uh, amen. Um, I think, amen. I haven't been to church in a while. I don't know. Anyways, the next ball, the next ball that we're going to talk about, or again, it's a dropped ball and or an opportunity is talking too much on a call with a potential client. Are, are you just, are you calling me out for talking too much? No, you're a squirrel, but you don't talk too much. You're just a squirrel. You're a squirrel and I love it. And I'm here and I squirrel too, but not talking too much. Excuse me. I said that wrong. You threw off my game, Em. Talking sorry. too much and not listening enough. So the mistake is talking too much on the sales call rather than listening. And to continue on with that thought to cutting people off. But I also just want to say that in real life to be mindful of when you talk, don't cut people off. That's just a PSA guys. I've seen it so much recently. Anywho, but yes, listening more and reflecting back what that person said. Exactly. So the biggest really like what we tell our cohorts, what you should be doing when you're going into that first sales call is going in with the objection to learn, to find out if they truly are a fit and to understand their problem. Don't go into it thinking, okay, I need to be ready to convince them that I'm awesome and sell them my program. Go in and listen, listen to what their problem is. Truly, truly hear them. That's going to then give you the tools needed to efficiently, effectively, and genuinely sell them. If it makes sense. For sure. And I think in those sales calls too, by listening, you're able to guide them to the destination they need to go. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a great one, but yes, listening, listening should be a core skill that is taught in all high school classes. So totally agree. Let's go over two more balls before we wrap up this juggling party. 
I was going to ask, are you going to juggle at the end of this? It's a video. I, I don't have my juggling balls. You know what, Emily, talk. I'm going to go get my juggling balls. Oh, my God. I, I created a monster. Okay. So we we said another thing, listening, not listening, um, not just talking and selling and pitching. But another thing that we see so often uh, or a ball that is dropped is stopping too soon is throwing a few things out there, throwing a little bit of spaghetti on the wall, and then not feeling like they're getting the response that they deserve with a little bit of spaghetti and stopping and being like, I'm taking myself out of the game. It's getting uncomfy. I'm going to stop before it gets, it gets to be something. Yeah. Like going for hard for three months and deciding, Oh, I tried hashtag. I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me think of when you go to the blood drive and you try to give blood and then they give you the, I tried sticker that happened to me a lot in high school. Cause I couldn't Stop. the whole nother speaking of me calling you out on a squirrel, watch me squirrel, but <laughs> it's a long game. Coaching is a long game. Um, there are certainly opportunities and exceptions to every rule in life. People can see quick success, but 99% of people it's, it's a long journey. It's committing, it's staying course. It's understanding that at first, there's going to be trial and error. It's your business is a lab experiment. And if you really, really want to have success in this industry, whether it be full time or as a coaching revenue stream, you need to stick with it and you need to try, try things more than once, more than uh, twice and more than three times, probably. And to also go back to our first point about ma- not making assumptions. A lot of times people will make an assumption. Well, no one engaged, no one paid attention. So no one's listening when the truth is they might be listening or the person might, there might be lurkers out there, but they're still lurking. I feel like there's multiple stages. There's like the lurkers, the engagers, and they're like, I want what you're selling ers. but it takes time and consistency. And I just want a personal experience wise. I find it so fascinating. I like, I still feel discomfort when I talk to the, to the screen, when I talk at my camera, I'm like, who am I talking to? No one cares. I'm not paying attention. No one's paying attention. And then I'll have a conversation with someone and they're like, oh, I saw your story today. And they quote me back or they like, they relate back to it or they text me back depends where we are. And I'm like, oh my God, you didn't even like, like it. You didn't even engage with it, but they're paying attention. And so when more and more of those moments happen, it's going to give you more confidence to like continue talking to a, a random void, what, what feels like a random void, but then you'll, you'll know who the person is on the other side. It's a great point, Emily. And I'll share too a personal experience. I have a client right now on the PR side of things who reached out to me about four months ago. So we've been working together for four months. She said, I've been following you on LinkedIn for a long time and I, I'd like to hire you. And I literally didn't, I have no idea who she is. I've never talked to her once. I didn't even know we were connected. She doesn't comment on anything. I get very low engagement on LinkedIn, by the way. Um, and a client came into my inbox and it was a, the easiest sell I've ever done in my life. So and isn't that wild again? So I think that's a great just reflection on if you're about to stop, if you're about to put your juggling balls away and you're like, I'm not going to put them away. <laughs> I'm not going to do this again. Um, try, try again, because it's worth. So what's something else that on that same vein, Lex, that you, we see people do. This will be the last one we, we talk about today. Cause I want to juggle when we wrap this up, but um, not flying their flag enough. So the opportunity is to fly their flag more, not talking about what they 
do. And this is, again, very in alignment with what we were just talking about. But one of the mistakes we see people make is they'll post once on Instagram about their services. And then they'll wait for two weeks and be like, why is no one booking a call? Guys, you need to talk about it more than once. You need to keep talking about it. You're going to a networking mixer, share what you're doing, fly that flag so that people know they can work with you. And I want to, I, again, I want to share personal stories because I feel anxious. I'm, I'm someone who loves to fly other people's flags. So it's, I'm like, no, I love, I love you. Don't talk about me. Let's talk about you, Lex. Let's, let's brag about how amazing you are. And one thing with social media, I want to point out to everyone is when you're flying your flag and you are selling your product, you're most likely going to have the most shit engagement that you have posted in a very long time. And that it can be very discouraging. You're like, oh my God, my pictures with my family or my, my cute squishy baby, like those do so well. That's where I'm going to keep going. Yes. However, you're not selling your, your squishy baby, you're selling a service. And so I hope not. another squirrel, um, but sell you and, and lean into that. Like those aren't going to be the posts that are going to be doing well, but those are going to be the posts that people who are shopping you and are considering hiring you are checking back in on. Beautiful. And on that note, I want to give some homework. (laughs) We just went over a lot of balls that you can drop, or if we were listening If you're listening, um, I'm actually going to give a plug for YouTube in a second here, but first your homework, the balls that you can drop and, or reframe opportunities, sit down pen and paper in hand or phone and open note. What ball are you dropping? Get objective. What opportunity do you have? Are you following up? Are you assuming anything? Here's a polite wake up call to think for a second on what balls you could be dropping. If you're enjoying the Ready, Set, Coach podcast, please leave a review wherever you are listening. For more information about Ready, Set, Coach, visit readysetcoachprogram.com.